It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here for this Friday. I hope that you are looking forward to the weekend, but of course I'm glad to have you joining us here on The Inner Life. This is our show about spiritual direction, where together we're trying to grow in holiness, you and I, so that we can live out those two most important commandments that Jesus gives us, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. That's our goal here, and uh, be united with Christ. And uh, today, as we begin the program, I'd like to ask you, do you ever remember having one of those conversations And it seems like nothing important when you're in the midst of the conversation, but then as the next hours or the next days or the next weeks go by, you realize that that conversation might be something that has a bigger impact on you than you expected. Can you think of one, maybe even several conversations like that? Well, for me, one of those conversations was when I was in my mid-20s, and I started working in uh, in, in music radio in the late 90s, and around 2002 I was working at a Christian radio station And this was in Salem, Oregon. And at this station, we played contemporary Christian music. It was not Catholic. It was just a uh, kind of a general Christian station. And after I'd been there for a couple of years, I learned that one of the musical groups that we played on this station, it was a group that was fronted by three men that were part of a Protestant Pentecostal Christian denomination, denomination. And these men, they subscribed to a theology that held a different belief when it came to the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I wasn't Catholic at this time. It was a number of years later that I would come into the Catholic Church, but I held the exact same view of the Trinity at that point as I do now, that God has revealed himself to us as being three persons in one God. And it's something that we can't fully grasp, but that's okay. You know, God is infinite, and we are finite. And if we could understand everything about God, that would probably be problematic. So these men that were in this Christian music group, their belief about God is that God is not three divine persons, but rather only one divine person revealed in three different ways. And when they are baptized in this church, they don't baptize members, as most Christians do, as we as Catholics do, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because they believe that God is only one person, that Jesus is the human manifestation or the human personification of that one person of God. So they baptize their members only in the name of Jesus, not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I found this to be a substantial problem because uh, you know, this was something that it's, it's wrong at its core from historical Christian understanding and belief. And the Christian radio station where I was working, it was owned by a local Assemblies of God church there in Salem. And so the pastor 
for that church. He was also kind of the CEO of the radio station. There was also a school there. So he was he was the head over all of these different branches, these different parts of that church. So I asked if I could meet with him, and I presented my concerns about the theology of these men in this musical group. And my main concern was that if one of our listeners really liked the music of this group, if they started listening to more than just the music, if a listener said, you know, these guys, they really seem to have it all together, and I want to follow their example. I want what they have. And then that listener starts going to that same Pentecostal church as the men in this musical group, then I'm worried that I've opened the door for someone to be misled on what Christianity really teaches about who God is and how he has revealed himself. And so I explained this all to this pastor, and he, he sat there and he listened thoughtfully, and then he said, well, Josh, I don't think you should worry too much about it. And I like to say that when it comes to our beliefs, we want to have unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, and in all things love. And I sat there, and I, I was expecting something different. I, I actually expected to hear more of a hard line on this. But he didn't want to do that. This was his way of saying, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to take that hard stand on this. And so I said, okay. And the conversation kind of ended. And I'd never heard that quote before, unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, and in all things, love or charity. Although I would find out later that this quote, this was something attributed to St. Augustine commonly, but the meeting was over. And so I walked out, and I was left pondering those words. And this was one of those few different encounters, a few different catalysts that made me start on the path of discovering the fullness of the faith, the fullness of the truth that we hold in the Catholic Church. Because over the next days and the weeks after that conversation, I started questioning, well, if the very nature of who God is, whether it's one person or three persons, if that's not essential to our belief as Christians, then what really is essential? And then who also has the authority to decide what is essential or what's not essential. It can't be left up to every individual. So who gets to decide that God has truly revealed himself as three persons in one divine nature? And that started me on the road to the Catholic Church. And so coming up this Sunday, we celebrate the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. And we want to try and have a better understanding of who God is. After all, if we want to know and love and serve God in this life so that we can be happy with him and united with him in eternity— We want to know him as well as we possibly can. So today we're trying to the best of our ability, knowing that we will fall short here, but trying to the best of our ability to understand God as a trinity of persons in one divine nature. Joining us to try and help us unpack this is Father Chris Walsh. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort Church there in Philadelphia, and Catholic, uh, I'm sorry, chaplain at Bishop McDevitt High School in Wincote, Pennsylvania. And Father Chris, welcome back to The Inner Life. Are you ready for some heavy lifting as we try and uh, understand the, the Trinity? I'm probably as ready as I'm going to be, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do lots of study uh, in the days before today uh, to get ready, not just for today, but for preaching on the Trinity this Sunday, so I don't just sort of try to skirt out, but but offer my people some substance in this reflection. But it's Good. always great to be back on the on your station. Yeah, well, and so yeah, we're we're just helping you with your your uh, your homily prep here today. That's great. <laughs> so, well, I think Father, the best place to maybe start 
is with some definitions. I've been saying that as Catholics, we believe that God is three persons in one divine nature. And so can you maybe, to start with, help us understand the difference of what we mean by persons and what we mean by nature as we talk about God? Certainly, certainly. Um, First of all, I just want to go back to your original story there with the folks on the radio station, which is, I, I would argue that the Trinity is essential for our unity. <laughs> oh, and that's that's and, why that started mm-hmm. me on that road. It was exactly, exactly that. If if and, the Trinity isn't essential, what is? Exactly. And, you know, we have in our church uh, what we call, and it's not a very popular thing, uh, hierarchy of truths. That there are many truths for us as Catholics, but there actually exists a hierarchy of truths, not just in the realm of morality, where, where lots of folks fight that out, um, but even in the area of what we call systematic theology, our beliefs. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church places our belief in the Trinity as the highest. That, that it, uh, before we can even understand that Christ is the Savior of all mankind, we have to believe in a Trinity of persons. And, and we see that in the way that our creed is structured. So, uh, again, what, this topic is so important because if we don't get the Trinity right, we, we don't get anything else right. And, and, and the, the, that band, the heresies, I know, again, not a popular term, the heresies that they fell into are nothing new. Right? These were ideas that existed in the many heresies of the 300s, 400s, 500s, which is why some of those early councils took place. But let me get back to your question. Nature, <laughs> nature and person. person. Yes. Nature and person. <clears throat> so God has one divine nature. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the beautiful pollen count in Philadelphia these days. Uh, our, our nature is what we are. What we are. And so uh, the rock outside of your house has a nature. Uh, the plants that you planted to make your outside of your house look beautiful have a nature, right? An, an animal nature or a, a plant nature. Uh, your, your pets, right? Again, not a popular idea that 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 there is a um, the irrational being. Uh, is, is the nature of being a dog, a cat, a bird, a worm, a chicken, whatever. And then we have a human nature, right? By, by, humans, by de- definition, are rational creatures, right? And then there's a divine nature. So there's many types of natures, divine, human, animal, plant, uh, inanimate object, okay? Uh, nature is what we are, and, and kind of divines, in a sense, what we're capable of. But then person takes it to the next step. It, it, it's who I am. It's how I, it's how I make manifest um, the, the nature that I share in. <clears throat> and so we can see in, in animals, there's, a, again, a, not necessarily a personhood that we would use as we use with humans or, or the divine persons, uh, but there's an expression. And so that's why we see they all share the same nature as animals, but, but it's expressed in different ways. Uh, rocks different than, than um, perhaps sand or something like that. Uh, human beings, why are we different? Um, well, because we, we express things differently, although we're united in the way we express it. And so then when we get to God, we take that to the next level. There's a divine person who's totally different than us, right? totally other. Uh, but, but then this, this divine nature, okay, the, the nature of the Trinity, that there is one divine nature that is expressed uh, in three distinct persons. And I'm using those words very carefully because I had great professors when I went to the seminary who talked about folks literally dying over these definitions, right? That they're not three separate persons, but they're three distinct persons. 
because they are in relationship with one another and in a sense dependent on one another. Um, and, and so that's the, 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 the gist of it of person and nature. If you're a little confused, it's okay. You're going to understand <laughs> this more and more over time. Again, this is not how we often think about the Trinity, which is why it's so great that your station and your program are taking the time to open this up a little bit. Well, and as we look at this, too, you know, you were talking about the fact that the example that I started the show with there, that, uh, you know, rather than being three persons in one divine nature, as we understand God, uh, you know, somebody looking and saying, well, God really is just one person revealed three different ways. You know, and I've heard that example given before as a way to try to understand the Trinity. You know, if I look at my sister, well, she's a sister to me, but she's a daughter to our mother, but she's also a mother to her children. And so she has these three different aspects of who she is just inside the same person there. Um, But as we look at God himself, I also think it's important that we don't try, well, that we don't fall into that mistake of trying to anthropomorphize God. You know, man is made in the image of God, not God is in the image of man. So we're going to share some of the characteristics of God, but that doesn't mean that every characteristic that we have means that it necessarily translates to exactly how God is. Um, we can't do a reversal of, you know, the fact that man is made in God's image. We can't change that around. Um, the Creator will always be greater than the created. Exactly. and. You know, often with the Trinity, of course, we, we, we say the Trinity is a mystery. Now, for some people, that becomes a cop-out. Well, it's a mystery, I can't understand it. But that's not what mystery means. Um, for, for many years, I was a big fan of the television show Law & Order, um, which I, I used to joke that if you had cable TV, you could watch Law & Order basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week on some channel. And like any other sort of, you know, cop-lawyer type of TV show or movie, it starts with a mystery. Someone's dead. Someone's been assaulted. Something's been taken. And then over the course of the 60 minutes, clue, 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 good thinking, mystery solved. Right. Right. Right now, I cannot fully understand the Trinity. One day I will. It might not be while I'm alive on earth, but when, when my soul goes to heaven, I'm going to come to a fuller understanding dependent upon the desires. And some of our great saints and mystics came to great understandings while here on earth, right? including some of the great theologians that are alive today. So, so I think it is important that, 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 that we start with that idea that this is not something we can't know. Secondly, this is God revealing himself. That's the beauty of our God, that, that our God is a God who's always revealing himself. And certainly throughout the Old Testament, with, with our Jewish sisters and brothers, God was revealing himself many attributes of God, and even names of God were being revealed. But it's only through the incarnation, when God becomes man, when Christ takes on flesh, and then begins preaching for the, for the age of 30 to 33, um, that we come to understand the very nature of the Trinity. And so when people say, well, this doesn't make sense, okay, I agree, there are many things that don't make sense. Right, the, the the virgin birth doesn't make sense. Um, the transfiguration doesn't make sense. But that doesn't mean it's not true. Our mind might not be able to fully grasp it, and that's that that sense of I'm projecting what I can understand, what my experiences are as a human being, onto God. Well, it's not fair. It's a different nature. 
my my nature is one thing, the divine nature is something else. Um, it, it's like a rock saying, well, it's not fair that you as a human being can sing. I don't get it. How can you sing? I can't sing. I'm only a rock. <laughs> well, it's a different nature. That's because we as humans are different. And, and again, I know that's not a very popular thing in this world where, you know, uh, trees are seen as the same rights as animals, as the same rights of humans. No, that's not the order. And the language that I've been adapting lately is, okay, you believe that. That belief is not consistent with biblical Christianity. Right. Well, and there's some of that, too, where if it's it's going to go back to what I think it's in the first chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, where he talks about just we can see God in nature. It's observable. We might not get the fullness of revelation there, but you know, you're talking about the rock looking at the human and saying, well, how can you sing? I can't sing. How can that be possible? Um, but I, you know, when, when we're looking at something greater than ourselves, there's always going to be something we're not going to quite understand, mm-hmm. we're not going to comprehend. But again, I, you know, I think it's always okay to just say, you know, that's okay. We can still—it doesn't mean that we dumb ourselves down intellectually. We want to <laughs> understand it, but it's okay to say, I don't have to understand it completely. But but am I am I and I, and that's my hope for this this hour on your wonderful program, and so grateful for the opportunity that if our listeners can grab a few things to move them along in understanding this very essential doctrine of our faith, which is different than than other feasts that we celebrate, where normally we're celebrating things that God did. This is just who God is, mm. and 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 we often and I've been guilty of it some Trinity Sundays just talking about you know, how, how we relate to it, but to really delve into just the nature of God, that, that we can understand this. The, the great theologians and great teachers and catechists have, have presented things, and, and that we as Catholics can grow in understanding the very nature of God. Is it, is it a tough way of thinking? Yes. But God wants us to know it, because that's the teaching of Jesus. That's the teaching, particularly in the Gospel of John, but throughout the New Testament. He wants us to know who God is, how God relates as this trinity of persons. Father Chris Walsh is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and we're looking at how to better understand the doctrine that we have as Catholics of the Trinity, three persons in one divine nature as God. Uh, what has helped you to have that better understanding of the Trinity? I, I'm going to talk with Father uh, in just a moment about one of my favorite books that helped me to get that better aspect, that better understanding of the triune God that we worship, that we serve, that we love. Uh, but what has helped you to have that better understanding of the Trinity? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and you can email us, at relevantradio.com. We'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us 
relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And we're talking about understanding the Trinity, something that is, it's, it's difficult, and that's okay. But trying to the best of our ability to understand the three persons in one divine nature that is God, and want to be able to walk into this upcoming Sunday, Trinity Sunday, having that better understanding of God, and you can call in with how you've been able to better understand, better comprehend this mystery of our faith, the Trinity, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, right before the break, you were also talking about how, you know, this is one of those Sundays where we just celebrate who God is. You know, most of the time it's it's something that God has done, but this this time it's who God is. And, you know, as I was thinking about the way that the liturgical calendar happens, we have the Feast of Pentecost, and then the very next day, that Monday, it's Mary Mother of the Church, and then we have coming up the... Uh, the feast, the solemnity of the Trinity. And so it's kind of like, well, we just had this birthday of the Church here, and now you get to meet your family is kind of what it seems like that's happening that the Church wants us to do is, yeah, meet the Holy Spirit, and then don't forget, we just had the birthday of the Church, so the, we, the Sunday after that, it's the Feast of Corpus Christi, the most holy body and blood of Christ. So it's kind of like this family celebration that we're in right now. It is, and, and, it's a, and it's a great way for us because we are called. Again, it's, it's sometimes a reminder we need to have that our relationship with the Church is not that the Church introduces me to a relationship with the Father or supplies me with the grace I need to have a relationship with God, but there is also a, a communal aspect to the Church, the sense of gathering. And, and throughout history and throughout time and throughout parishes, sometimes folks go a little bit more to one side or the other. It's neither either or, it's, it, it's both and. And, and in a sense, you know, the, the, the very nature of, of this feast, and again, we as a church always had an understanding of the role of the Trinity. Of course, every Mass is a Trinitarian experience. Uh, the Mass itself is a prayer to the Father. Um, Jesus praying with us and our being united with Jesus and all happening in the power of the Holy Spirit. Although the feast itself really didn't become universal until, you know, the, the, the 1200s. Pope John, I think it was the 22nd, um, is, is the one who, who declared it. Um, but, but yeah, uh, and, it was, and it was inserted on a, on a day when there wasn't a feast. <laughs> um, and, and so that's kind of the history behind it. Certainly some churches throughout the, the, the Catholic world celebrated as early as the 300s and 400s, right after the Arian controversy, and then others adding it over time. But it does fit in these... Uh, feasts um, that, that sort of during the week we're celebrating some ordinary time, and then on the weekends we go back to uh, these, these great feasts, like you said, of the Trinity, and 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 and, and praise God for the, the beautiful feast of Corpus Christi next week. Yeah. Well, Father Chris, um, as we move forward then, I had mentioned a favorite book that I have that I think has given me the best understanding of, or the best explanation I've ever come across of the Trinity, and it's a book by Frank Sheed. It's called Theology and Sanity. And his insights as to the eternal and the perfect uh, parts of God, especially the way that he talks about God knowing and God loving, 
Um, these really opened up my mind to that better concept. Again, you know, limited concept as we are human, but that that better concept of the nature of God. And I know you're familiar with the book. Did you have that same uh, experience there? Or, you know, maybe you could recommend another saint or another writer who also is really could help if somebody is looking for more beyond just this broadcast of how to better understand the Trinity? Yeah, I, of course, I always love everything that Frank Sheed wrote, but I think it's, it is a—Sheed, of course, was a layman, a married man, originally right. from Australia, ends up in, in England, um, and sort of had his own rather bizarre faith journey, sort of a Methodist and a Catholic at the same time in childhood, and then fully embraces the Catholic faith and becomes a tremendous apologist in the city of London. Uh, but it's important to remember that although he's writing for the lay people of London and eventually throughout the world, the, the level of, of reading comprehension was pretty significantly higher in the 1930s uh, than today. And so folks sometimes when I'll say, oh, it's very readable, and then they pick it up and they're like, what? That was readable? Um, and so there is a challenge to it, but I think most people are up to the challenge. I think anything that Sheet has written, and, and certainly Theology and Sanctity and some of his other primers on Christianity are, are great. Another one that I find very helpful and very readable for folks is the Catechism itself. Oh, sure. You know, starting at paragraph 232, um, you know, they go through some real basic teachings on who, what is the Trinity, uh, the, the Trinity and the teachings of our Church, how the Trinity is revealed. You know, it's it's not a tremendously deep presentation, but I think it is a, a way for folks to sort of start stepping into it and, and having a, a better understanding of the Trinity at a deeper level. Well, Father, uh, we'll go into the different aspects of each person of the Trinity here, but first of all, let's go to the phones. We've got Anna, who's listening out in Los Angeles in California. Hi, Anna. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thanks for calling in. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Did you have a question or a comment? Yes, a comment. Um, well, I learned to understand the Trinity through an analogy, which I read a long time ago, and it was um, water, vapor, and ice, and how um, they all come from water. They just take on different forms. So I know it's kind of, it's hard for me to understand, and it's even harder for me to explain to my kids, but that's um, the the way that I've learned to understand it and basically accept it, and this is well, God is like water and solid. Uh, it's well, uh, uh, Jesus is solid. Well, we can actually yeah, liquid steam or ice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah that's how. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. And I think it's great that it's helped you understand, um, and and it works for some people. Uh, of course, folks from a scientific. Uh, nature will sort of come back and say, well, it's kind of lacking, and it is, and anything we have in creation is going to be lacking, right? For some of the Irish, uh, St. Patrick held up the clover, you know, and, and, and it worked, uh, the, the shamrock, rather, the three-leafed shamrock, and, and, and sort of the idea of, of three distinct but united, um, and, 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 and that has worked, and, and the one you referred to as your sister is your sister, but she's also a mother and she's a wife, but but they all sort of lack, and so if they help us, great, but we do need to push forward to the way that Jesus revealed himself, which again, it, it challenges our intellect, but that's okay, because we are we are intellectual people and we can grow. Right. Well, thanks for sharing that, Anna. Yeah, I've heard different things like that as well, Father, and some of those, especially when you're just being introduced to the concept of the Trinity, maybe when you're a younger child and you're starting to try and get a little better uh, knowledge of what we believe 
as Christians, as Catholics, it is a good kind of entryway to have some of those simpler explanations. But then, as you say, as we grow older, you know, one of my favorite lines from um, <laughs> C.S. Lewis is he said, you know, uh, I, I don't think that God is any more fond of intellectual slackers than he is of any other type of slacker. And so, uh, yeah, we want to grow in our knowledge and our understanding here as we grow deeper in our faith. So, well, so Father, let's look then at those three persons of the Trinity, and of course we can start with God. He's revealed himself, the first of these three persons, as a Father. So what is significant about that aspect of God being revealed as a Father for us uh, to understand as Catholics? Yeah, thank you for that. I think um, first and foremost that it's 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 the title that Jesus Himself reveals, right? Uh, right there in the Gospels, consistent. Right. He doesn't reveal God as a Creator. He doesn't read God as an Almighty One. Um, and these titles are used throughout the Scripture, so they they are accurate titles. But Jesus makes very clear. And again, particular, we're just finishing at our parish Bible study on the Gospel of John that's going on. We originally said it was going to be a 10-week study. I think it's become a 35- or 40-week study. Wow. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, Jesus, the, the Gospel of John, which is written much later, and what we call a higher Christology, because it's not just saying what Jesus did, but, but why he was doing it. And it becomes very clear throughout John's Gospel that he's come from the Father, he's returning to the Father, and he wants to introduce us to a relationship with the Father. And why is that title important? Because it's a relational title. Right? And again, I know right now in the world where, where titles are being changed and names are being changed, and you know, uh, you know, I, I just heard of a college recently where they're, gonna, they're, they're coming up with now a school song. It's not an alma mater because giving the school a title of mother is somehow exclusionary. Well, well no, that's an endearing term. Right? And, and my mother is much more than just you know, the one who carried me in her womb. Right? No, there, there's, a, there's a title of endearment, there's a title of responsibility, there's a title of connection and affection, affiliation, and the same with my father. Right? My father wasn't just one who you know, had a relationship with a woman who happens to be the woman who gave me birth right? and has had some limited responsibilities in, 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 in paying the bills for me or something. No, he's one who I have a relationship with, and he's the one who generates, right? who generates. And, and this is where, we again, we get into language, and it's limited. I'm not a linguist, right? But the idea of generates, um, you know, generations we use, right? So the, the parents and then down to the children. And so it implies like a separation of time, right, in the, in the human and all creatures. There's not a sense of instantly. And so, you know, back in the uh, – and again, all the, the troubles that we have with the Trinity – Christians before us have. And that's why the church gathered councils. And one of the big councils to address the Trinity was the council in Florence. Okay? And of course, where did the council of Florence take place? Florence, right? So, <laughs> right. You didn't easy, have to go too far for that. Yeah. Easy, easy trivia win, right? And that took place 1338 to 1445, right? So this was over eight years bishops and theologians gathering to, to, to wrestle with these ideas. And, 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 there are four big teachings, right? The first, that the, the Father actively and eternally generates the Son, right? Now, that does not mean that somehow the Father existed before the Son, right? Because it's an eternal generation. Eternal means not just that it's going to go on forever, but it always did exist. And again, that blows our mind because everything we see, everything around me has a beginning. But that's not God. The very nature of God is to be eternal, 
right? And that the Son is generated by the Father, right? Which, which again, doesn't mean that he's created, because what do we say in the Creed? Begotten, not made. Now, again, even that word begot, right? Because elsewhere in the Bible, and this is a challenge, the Bible uses the words as well, uh, when we do the genealogy of Jesus, right? So-and-so begot so-and-so. It implies that a natural way of, of generation um, and, and, a, and a time space in between. But that's not the case with God, but we have to use the language that we have. And then after the Father and the Son, the Father actively and eternally generating the Son, and the Son being generated, then the Father and the Son actively not generate, but spirate the Holy Spirit, right? And, and so again, it's not this like the Father and Son somehow come together and produce the Holy Spirit. That no, but but from their eternal love, which happens just again for all eternity. We don't say at the at the first beginning. No, because they always were, they always were, and so this this Spirit generates from them to constitute right a distinct person, right? And, and again, that this this Holy Spirit is spirated from the Father and the Son. And and so that that these three distinct persons um, that flow. And again, this was wrestled out over eight years by bishops and theologians back in the 1200s. Well, and so you know, talking about that aspect of God the Father being introduced by Jesus, being relational, and then looking at Jesus and and also the Holy Spirit. But I, I guess specifically right now, I'd like to look at the second person of the Trinity, the Son, who is equal to God the Father, co-eternal, as you were saying. Um, and that co-eternal part, that one right there, because for us being in time, you know, for an eternal God outside of time, this is this is a really, really hard thing to try and get our minds around that the Son is generated or, you know, comes from the Father, but that there's no loss of time, that they've always existed together. Do you have any way of maybe helping us try and grasp this concept better, that co-eternal? I do not, but God does. Okay. <laughs> so the we're, Trinity we're in the is same boat here then. Okay, I'm glad, Father. Yeah, the, Trinity, the Trinity cannot just simply be understood intellectually. The Trinity has to be brought to prayer. And I think we, we see this in all the great saints of our church who, as, as their depth of prayer grew, they were immersed more and more in the inner life of the Trinity, whether it's Ignatius or Therese of Lisieux or Teresa of Avila, uh, even Benedict at some levels. In more modern times, a contemporary of Therese of Lisieux is Elizabeth of the Trinity. Right? She even took the name uh, as, as a religious moniker and another Carmelite. Um, this idea of eternity you know, has to come about through real prayer and contemplation of sitting with this reality and just as is revealed in the scripture, allowing God to reveal at least a sense of it to us, of the enormity of God. We like God to be understood. We want God to fit into the box that we create, and that's where that anthropomorphism, well, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. God's pretty unpredictable. <laughs> you know, and we, we have a sense of how God normally acts in our life and the life of others, but, but God can't be contained. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an important thing for us in our humility. And so to sit with this reality of the Trinity and allow it to be revealed and to know that, again, before all time, God existed. And why did creation happen? Again, the value of reading the story of creation, which is the first time in the scriptures that the word Trinity is never used in the Bible, as you know. 
However, the Trinity's footprint or handprint is, is everywhere, including the story of creation. Because when God speaks, how does God speak? The Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Then God breathes, ruah, the Hebrew word, ruah, for spirit, breath. That's God's spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, present right there at creation. And so this active life of God that existed before the Trinity, why did, before creation, rather, why did God create? As a manifestation of love, right? I, I, we all know the Baltimore Catechism question, why did God make me? God made me to know him and love him and serve him in this life so that I might enjoy eternity with him in the next. I, I met a missionary charity sister one time who her, her answer to the question, why did God make me? He thought I would like it. <laughs> you know, and so he wanted to share his life and his love with me. Right. And so, how do we grasp that idea? Well, first, start with a, a meditation, a time of meditation of just trying to imagine God existing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this community of love, this family of love. And then, what does love do? Love has to go out. Love has to go out. That's why we as Christians are always sent on mission. We can't just share the love ourselves. It has to be shared with others. It's why we evangelize. It's why we serve. And so from the very life of God, it flows out into creation. And that's what Jesus is seeking to reveal. Now, creation, of course, very quickly becomes flawed. <laughs> this, is why, this is why the hierarchy of truths, the Trinity, is so important. Because once you realize that there's this community of love, they create because they want to share love. And then very quickly in creation, what happens? Sin. What's the answer to sin? to send the second person of the Trinity to repair the sin. Because what needs to be repaired, we've lost the relationship with the Trinity. And so Jesus comes to draw us back to the Father. How do we get drawn to Jesus? Through the Holy Spirit. And so that's one of the ways that I understand the Trinity in my own life is the missions of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's mission, make, us, make Jesus present in our lives. Once Jesus is present, through the sacraments, through the Word of God, through sanctifying grace. What's Jesus' mission? Draw me back to the Father. Because once I'm re-immersed into that Trinitarian communion of love, everything's right in my life. Sin fractures that. Mm. Sin fractures that. So Jesus is always the Son, because he's always drawing us back to the Father. So the only part of that that then we can say, well, this did happen later in regards to the Trinity, is the actual incarnation, where Jesus actually does take on flesh. That's the one part that wasn't necessarily there before. Uh, like you say, how does, that, how does that relation get repaired? The second person then becomes human. So that's the only part there of the Trinity, that aspect of that second person that would be something we could say did come later. That's right. That's right. So his, his coming to take flesh, because the Holy Spirit was active, again, throughout the Old Testament, we can see that the, the workings of the Spirit might not have been called the Holy Spirit, um, and might not have been understood to be part of the Trinity of God, these, these distinct persons, but certainly still active and still present, and then manifest in a more powerful way once Christ founds his church. Our spiritual director is Father Chris Walsh, and he's a priest there in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and we're talking about the Trinity, understanding the triune God. Three persons, one divine nature, very difficult. We're trying our best, and we're trying to squeeze it in here within the hour of this program, The Inner Life, and we're going to continue the conversation along with taking your phone calls in just a moment here. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. More to come here on The Inner Life right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual director. Thanks again for being here. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, and talking about the Trinity, trying as well as we can to understand that concept of the Trinity, looking ahead to this Sunday, which is the Solemnity of the Trinity. And uh, Father, right before the break, we had talked about the first person and the second person, Father and Son, in regards to understanding the Holy Spirit. Maybe we can spend just a little bit of time here, a couple minutes, talking about the third person, the Holy Spirit. And this is the one that always seems more abstract to me, just by virtue of the name itself, Spirit. You know, we have this image that we can conjure up of a Father, we have an image that we can, you know, conjure up of Jesus as the Son, especially because he took on flesh. But, uh, you know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, especially when we pray in the Nicene Creed, the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, adored and glorified with the Father and the Son. How can we, as much as humanly possible, have that better understanding of the Holy Spirit, especially if it does seem a little more abstract than maybe the first two persons of the Trinity? Amen, yeah. Um, I think, first off, the Holy Spirit is sometimes content in in, in the Spirit's humility to remain hidden. Um, Because I think, again, one of the beautiful ways for us to understand the Trinity is their unique missions, and that they're okay with that, right? The, the, the Son is never trying to be the Father. The, the, the Father is never trying to be the Spirit. They, they allow themselves to be these distinct um, persons and, and, and to function in that role. And that's an important thing for us in our society now where things are so blurred and so, so messy and envy and jealousy sort of rule the day. One of the great ways to come to understand the Holy Spirit, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, as he was Holy Father, did those Wednesday catechesis, which were so powerful. And the Daughters of St. Paul published them. I'm sure they're available online as well. Uh, but, but there's a whole series, it's a, a book on, on the Father and then the Son and the Holy Spirit. He went through the Creed over a number of years. And those short catechesis on the Holy Spirit are a great source of meditation and reflection. And so I do encourage our listeners if, if you are looking to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, certainly a charismatic prayer group's uh, Life in the Spirit seminar would be one way. Uh, but, but Pope John Paul II's uh, teachings on the Holy Spirit would certainly be another way to understand the different aspects of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit is seeking to do in the life of each Christian as well as in the life of the Church as the giver of life, as the animator Right, another way for us to understand the Holy Spirit, the one who animates the church, but also animates animates the scriptures. That we say that the Holy Spirit is going to guide me, that the Holy Spirit is going to lead me, that it's this ruah, this breath of God moving in me. And certainly in the Eastern Rites, uh, it's wonderful for, for Roman Catholics to be able to attend Eastern Rites. They have a much more uh, powerful expression of the Spirit in liturgy. And, and, and liturgy is important because it, it reveals what we believe. And so they still have retained, and, and it's, it's in some of our traditional Latin Mass as well. Um, <coughs> so when there's an epiclesis <coughs> calling down the Holy Spirit, there's actually the priest will breathe. Or in uh, the Syro Malankara rite from India, when the Holy Spirit is called down on the gifts, the, the priest moves his hands like the movement of a wing uh, from the dove. So that we become more conscious 
we become more conscious. But I think sometimes even in, in your, your regular Sunday Mass at regular parishes, hopefully the altar server is ringing the bells. And, and that's a reminder at that moment that the priest is calling down the Holy Spirit you know, upon the bread and wine. And that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's changing the body of Christ, the bread into the body of Christ, and the wine into the blood of Christ. Um, and, and even just listening in the, in the absolution prayer, right? It's the Holy Spirit, right, that I absolve you from your sins. So just that reminder of how active the Spirit is in making the ministry of Jesus Christ present in our lives. So, Father Chris, let's go back to the phones. We've got Francesca, who's listening to us out in New York. Hi, Francesca. You're on the air here with Father Chris Walsh. Oh, hi. Thank you. Thanks very much. And I uh, have a a quick comment and then a question. And um, I guess my comment is when I, when my brain gets kind of fried trying to think of all this, I, I try to just relate, if I can relate, and that is my own experience being in a community of people who, and we're all serving, in other words, nobody's really being selfish or anything, that to me, I can relate that to uh, some sort of, you know, my limited understanding of a trinity, a a divine trinity. And so, um, you know, that feeling of community with total selfishness, selflessness uh, in service. And, um, that I can get with, <laughs> but I appreciate all of what you have said so far. And my question is, um, I know you mentioned St. John Paul II, and I had been told that he, his father had said to him, you know, don't neglect praying to the Holy Spirit. And so I was wondering if you could speak on that, that how we might, um, you know, address the three persons of the Trinity in our prayer life I don't want to use the word divide up our time, but how do we address and, you know, how often that kind of thing? What would you suggest? Wonderful. Thank you so much for that beautiful call and that, that beautiful experience that you have of true love, right? When we are in a community and people are serving without self-interest, that is an experience of what heaven will be like because it's an experience of God. And so praise God you're able to identify that. And may we strive to make every experience at our parishes that experience, where where, where we're checking the ego at the door. How do we do it in prayer? Thank you for that. You make the heart of a spiritual director get excited. Um, I I think in in our prayer, we all have to have an image of God. And I think at different seasons of our life and seasons of our prayer, um, we, we might go to a different person of the Blessed Trinity. And, and I and certainly do that with folks uh, as I direct prayer. Um, there is value in praying to God as a Father, particularly when we're trying to heal our own parental relationships. There's always a value, of course, in going to Jesus as we choose to be His disciple. And then there's values in praying with the Holy Spirit, you know, who wants to animate us, who wants to fill us, who wants to transform us the way He did in the life of so many people, including Mary and the apostles of the early church and and Saint Paul. Uh, even in the Old Testament, Job spoke of the power of the Spirit of God. And so I think on the one hand, in our mental prayer, having an image of God the Father, and it could be the old white guy with the long beard. Um, some artists, especially iconographers, have produced beautiful images where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit actually look alike, 
right? Because they're of the same image, they're of the same nature, um, and, and so that it's, it's kind of at a different spiritual realm, right? For the spirit, perhaps it's a pillar of fire, perhaps it is a dove, perhaps it's a powerful gust of wind, uh, whatever, but we can we can be led in that. Of course, all prayer for the Christian is Trinitarian, particularly when we start in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When you pay attention to the liturgical prayers of the church, they're addressed to the Father, and then we we speak of them, uh, you, know, uh, you know, ask it through Christ, you know, who lives and reigns in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, God forever and ever. It used to be one God that's been stricken by the bishops, just the God forever and ever, because the very nature of God is one, so we don't need to state it. Um, and so I think that's a possibility within within our prayer as well. Thanks for the call, Francesca. And uh, Father, we're down to just the last minute or two here of the program, but uh, you you referenced uh, a couple of times that community of love that is the Holy Spirit. And I always remember hearing St. John Paul II when he was Pope, he made the comment that God is a family, not like a family, but is a family. And if there was anything that you could leave a listener with, walking into this Sunday for the Trinity, uh, the Feast of the Trinity, Solemnity of the Trinity, what would you say to them that is the one thing that, you know, as you walk into Mass this Sunday, keep this as kind of, you know, forefront in your mind, what you can meditate on? Yeah, I'm hoping that when folks leave St. Raymond Church this weekend, they just have an awareness that, you know, God desires them to not just follow Him, but to be truly united with Him in, in an intimacy that we can't understand. And so that's what salvation is, drawing us back. And while we won't share that fully, until, please God, we're found worthy of, of, of eternal life in heaven, we can taste it now, uh, certainly in the sacraments and in our life of prayer, in our life of service and charity and community. We have little tastes of it, but, but that's the goal, not just to follow Jesus. If we follow Jesus, we're going to follow him into the inner life of the Trinity, right? Uh, not just to do what God says, because what God says is, come, come live in love with us. Come and be with us. Again, we live in a, a fractured society and sadly a, a fractured church. Um, and, 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 and so what, what does this divided world need? A united church. And how are we going to be united? When we realize that we're united in the Trinity. It's not a human thing. It's not a human movement. It, it, it's a grace that already exists that we just need to allow it to happen. Mm, that's a beautiful way to end the program here, Father. Uh, we've got about 30 seconds left. Can I ask you to offer everyone listening your priestly blessing as we conclude today? Certainly. Let us pray. May the blessing of Almighty God, who is a Father who bestows new life upon you, and His Son who sanctifies you and saves you, and the Holy Spirit who moves in you in hidden ways, come upon you and bless you this day, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Chris Walsh, thank you so much for being here today and helping us take this deeper look at the doctrine, the teaching that we have in our Church of God as a Trinity, those three persons in one divine nature. Thank you for listening. If you joined us late, you can always go back and listen to the full podcast available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And of course, we want to wish you a very, very wonderful weekend as we uh, look ahead to Memorial Day. We'll be back here on Tuesday, our next live show, and we'll be talking with Father Matthew Spencer about tithing and being good stewards of everything that God has given us. Stay tuned. We've got Mass next. Father Rocky celebrates Mass right here on Relevant Radio, coming up now. Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. 
Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app.